All right, brother. So rapid fire time. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So one word answers. Okay. No, no deep explanations, man. Just, just straight off, to the point. Off the top of the dome. Off the top. <laughs> um. So how do you like your steak? Medium rare. Medium rare. Okay. Nineties or two thousands music. Two thousands. Hmm. Interesting. Favorite color. Red. Okay. Your zodiac sign. Pisces. Okay. Favorite basketball team. The world champion Chicago Bulls. Here you go. <laughs> and what's the most life-changing trip you've ever been on? Africa. Probably your most recent adventure, right? <laughs> yeah. We're going to get into that real quick. today is travel vlogger soon to be tv personality worldwide nate what's good brother what's up man i'm happy to be here in nyc usually in the sunny palm tree line streets of la but i see yeah. you in new york now brother yeah i land i left the land of milk and honey <laughs> palm trees and sunshine to come here to the big well, apple rain and cold and dismal and all that huh yeah super sexy right <laughs> It can be. Listen, rain creates a mood sometimes, man. Okay. You never to see Love, Love Jones, man. <laughs> <laughs> Which was filmed in Chicago. Look at him. Where I'm from. Repping. Mm hmm <laughs> So, you know, Worldwide Nate, if you haven't seen him all over the internet, um, you're about to see him all over your TV screen. We're going to get into that in a second. But you've been traveling and travel vlogging for a minute now. How long, how long has it been? It's been 12 years. Damn. 12 years of a lot of adventures around the world. That sounds like you've been doing it before it became a in thing for the brown folks, huh? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tell you how long ago it was. I started my blog on MySpace. Oh, that's My, a really yeah, long time. Yeah, that's the last word you thought you were here. <laughs> but they had a blog section, and I would just recap my trips day one, sun up to sundown, and then people would read it. And I was like, whoa. So then... um. So they read my blogs, and then I bought a camera. I bought a Sony CyberShot, mm -hmm. and I started taking better stills, and they had the video function on there, but I think it was like 30 seconds or a minute, and so I record the videos and just post them unedited, and then I bought a camcorder, and then I started like learning how to edit. My boy Emil, he, uh, he helped me teach me how to edit. Shout out to the homie Emil. Yeah. He's the reason why we know each other right now, man. Yeah, yeah, so Emil helped me out, my boy Isaiah. And then going, to, uh, had the Apple one to one. So I go to the Apple Store and learn, and then YouTube tutorials. So I used to learn how to edit on Final Cut Express. And then. Um, started then I, from the bottom. Yeah, started from the bottom. And Emil, he kind of like put me in a chokehold, like, yo, man, I can help you make this stuff better. And that's when <laughs> um, it started to really transition, get better. Word. So you're from Chicago originally? Yeah, from the South Side, South Suburbs, Calumet City, and also South Shore. Okay, and cool. then I grew up, I spent some time, I have my family's from Northwest Indiana, so I got the East Chicago roots, East Chicago, Indiana, it's like near Gary, Hammond, Steel Mill Gary's area. where Michael Jackson's from? Yeah, yep, right now. That's why I know Gary, Indiana. Mm -hmm. Good old MJ. So growing up in Chi-Town, what was that like? What was that experience? It was fun, because I, I spent a lot of time in the burbs, so I had like grew up in a black middle class neighborhood okay. where you know we would ride bikes and go swimming every day. I'm one of the, I'm soon finding out that I'm one of the very few black people that know how to swim. 
It, it ain't that few. Don't don't feed that, into the stereotype. I, I wasn't like I was I, shocked I, that I, people I, say that. I actually want to know the percentage because I can swim. I'm not a strong swimmer mm-hmm. because what I told people, um, especially in the inner cities, is like it's the access thing. So I had access to pools in the summertime. Yeah, but the rest of the year was like no access to pools. So I wish my swim was stronger. I actually want to take. Um, Official lessons. I've never had swimming lessons. Okay. So did you learn in official lessons? Or? Yeah, my mom had took me uh, to Chicago State when I was five nice. and learned how to swim because she knew we had a pool, so right. she wanted me out there drowning. Right, right, right. And then just like the summers would come and we would spend all day at the pool. And then as an adult, I'm like, oh yeah, we about to go swimming, be around. And then everybody was like, uh, I'm gonna be over here poolside. (laughs) And people was like, yo, black people know how to swim. I'm like, stop it! Like all I knew was black people swimming growing up. Like, what are you talking about? And then I started doing research whenever the subject of swimming comes up. And then I started asking people, and I'm like, dang, black people know how to swim. Like I thought they did. (laughs) And you know what? I made it a conscious effort. I I have probably officially learned at like 18 like okay I won't die mm-hmm. that's when I first got confident on that level but um I, I kind of want to know the legit stats of it because there's a lot of like yeah. talking about if black people can swim or not and I feel like out of the people I know maybe it's maybe like 30 to 40 percent that do know how to swim my child with my childhood friends a hundred percent know how to swim. That's a, that's that nice black middle class suburb bubble that you were yeah. living in. That's what's up, man. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, all of us knew how to swim. That's there was nobody up. sitting on the sideline. And that's how, it, that's how it should be. I mean, outside of fun and missing out on activities, it's also like a life skill that you should learn right. because you could die exactly. by not knowing how to swim. Yeah. And that's why I think it's, it's interesting because inner city people don't learn it like officially until you maybe have to or you know setting out to do something specific but it's like yo it's a it's a life skill it's like driving like most people should know how to drive most right. people should know how to swim mm-hmm. across races but anyway brother we gonna get to that so growing up in shy town you had a good good life you would say yeah i i had a man my life growing up was fun we used to ride bikes play video games like go to the big park, the sand park, go to the corner store, right, like right, all right. that. So corner like, store runs were officially a part of life growing up, though. Yeah. Like when I think about growing up, I I did us think about like, yeah, me and my cousins getting together. We about to go to the store real mm-hmm. quick. Like that was an adventure when you were younger. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, we would go to arcades and all that. Yeah. So yeah. from there, um, college was Tennessee State. Tennessee State University, Nashville, Tennessee. One of the best choices I ever made in my life. Hmm. There's so many. I've never been to Nashville. Really? I've been to Memphis a few times, but never Nashville. Well, it's a whole bunch of people from Memphis that went to Tennessee State. Okay. Yeah. But it was a great experience. HBCU experience, it was like an incubator. Because at that age, like when you're between 18 and, and 22 or, you know, early 20s, especially as a black person, a black male, it was a bubble. So you're going to make mistakes, but you're not getting thrown to the wolves of mm. society. So it was like a nourishing environment where you can make your mistakes, hit your fall a whole bunch of times, hit your head a whole bunch of times, and still come out on top. And that's uh, definitely one of the perks of benefits of going to HBCU. You know, I never heard it broken down like that. That's yeah. pretty profound. Mm-hmm. I never, never thought about it like that. Oh, yeah, because I didn't messed up plenty of times. <laughs> He's like, I can tell you from experience. Yeah, but I came out with my chest held high. I'm an <laughs> alumni at Tennessee State University. I got my degree. <laughs> That's what's up. And it's actually one of your professors from Tennessee State that kind of pushed you to travel more, right? Yeah, Dr. Galen Hall. I took his economic, international economics class. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And then I just got to learn that he knew so much about the world. And we had to do this paper on, and we had to pick regions of the world. So I picked mine on Asia, specifically Hong Kong, because my cousin lives in Macau. Okay. He still lives there. He's been living there for about 10 years. So I did a paper on the uh, the, the transitions of Macau back to uh, Macau. The comparison of Macau and Hong Kong from when they got handed back over to the Chinese. Because okay. Macau was a Portuguese colony and Hong Kong was a British colony. So that's why when you go to Hong Kong, there's a lot of, a lot of signs and stuff in English or in Shimsha Shoi, Nathan Road. You have American names and stuff because mm-hmm. it was a British colony or you know territory, but now it's part of um, it's part of mainland China back you know the communist part, but it's still right. like a separate. It's just a weird political. I thing. know when I went to Beijing, I kind of got a, a little bit more of a clear understanding of like Hong Kong is like kind of part of China but kind of not. Yeah, it's a very unique situation. It is unique. So um, so I did that paper and I just would talk to him about like Hong Kong and Macau. He just knew about these areas. And then I was just started picking his brain more and more about other parts of the world he had been to. And even when I remember one time I was going headed to Argentina, and this is after I graduated, we just kept in touch. And I told him, I was like, I'm going to Argentina. He said, oh, I was there in like 1974. He's like, yeah, you have a good time. Go enjoy yourself. But he just could recall all these experiences. And majority of his experiences of his travel was, was in um, African countries. And he had been to over 80 countries by the time he gave me his autobiography. And when it challenged me to see more countries than him and be an entrepreneur. Hmm. So when he did that, he awakened a beast because growing up, like in my teenage years, my mother, she would go on missionary trips with the church. Okay. Because the cost would be subsidized. So she would go to like Brazil. She's been to Brazil about five times, been to Africa multiple times, Europe, etc. And I'm glad she did that because I would throw the best house parties <laughs> while she was gone, <laughs> while she left me on. So I, I learned how. I hope to, Mama's not listening because oh. you ain't you ain't too old for ass with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was dope. So she planted those seeds because I knew she was like somewhere else in the world. Then I had cousins that played ball overseas, and like my cousin lives in Macau. He lived in multiple countries. Mm-hmm. So when my professor challenged me, I'm like, oh, my family been doing this my whole life like this is something I could definitely do right. and I can definitely document it because I wanted to I figured that when technology catches up I can create a book that's like that has text but then can be interactive with pictures and video so I was like let me go ahead and document everything that I do so I could just so be you able had to have my autobiography just down the line right, right, right. and then as I started doing a MySpace and, and kept producing content then I was like oh this could be something bigger right 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 and technology took a little bit of a turn but it's even better um than what you had imagined i'm sure yeah (laughs) so what made you start worldwide next so it was that process of thinking like okay i want to document all this dope content and these things that i'm seeing to expose people to cultures and and all that that i'm experiencing Yeah, exactly that and also in addition to that I have I had like the people I went to college with, which is dope. So they graduating, talking about I'm about to do this job, that job, getting this job. So I was thinking to myself, well, how am I gonna make my mark on the world? Right. And 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 that's the way I was thinking. Like I like my people are doing so much stuff. I gotta differentiate myself, and uh, and do something you know dope because everybody else, all my classmates are doing dope things. So I had, uh, came up with the idea of like worldwide Nate. Like I was trying to think of like how to brand the branding and stuff and what would be impactful. So, I, so when people are telling my name or my moniker, and they can realize like this is about traveling the world. Right. And I was traveling a lot, and the epiphany hit me when I was in Roatan, Honduras. I was on the beach, 
And I saw this resort with a whole bunch of these white folks just kicking it. And then somebody told me that there was like these Italians, like Air, all Italia has a flight that comes in once a week, packed with Italians, and they come all the way from Italy to Roatan Honduras and turn up and kick it. And then they they just like it's like a shuttle system. Hmm. And I was like, man. I was like, at that time, everybody was talking about, I'm going to Vegas, I'm right, right, in right. LA. And I'm like, man, black people come so far. We got this disposable income. We need to be talking about going to these different countries mm -hmm. and seeing the world as opposed to just being just staying in the States right. and doing just like regular stuff. Right, right, right. So that's when I was like, really got focused. And I'm like, man, I could be like the reporter, the avatar for like, for black people. And then show them the world and then expose them to these, these experiences that I was having. And here you are. Yeah. 2017, you've been... So, your your professor um, kind of put you up to the challenge of 80 countries. Do you know how many you've been to right now? I've been to 60. Okay. Yeah. So, you're hot on the stairs, man. Yeah, I am. Hot on the stairs. You can, you can get there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My goal is the century mark. So, but but before I hit the century mark, I got to get to Antarctica. That's like top Yo, of the Yo, can list. I tell you something? Like, I refuse. And I, I know as someone who likes to travel myself... It would feel great to say that I've been to every continent, but I'm not going to Antarctica, bro. Really? I'm not. Oh. I hate being cold, so it's like I mean, it's I like my too. worst nightmare. Nah, man. But you, you, you York. Nah, listen, I barely live here, bro. That's why I'm always in the winter. Specifically, I travel. I plan most of my travel. Oh, I can't take it. That's smart. But um, if there was a way to, I guess, to be really, really warm and then just dip out in Antarctica mm. real quick. And then hop back somewhere, then maybe I would do it. That's the only way. But it'll only be like four days that you would be down. Four there. days of death. But it's when you do the, when they do the cruises, it's their summer, so it's not as cold. So oh, instead really? of being negative twenty, it's only negative one. That's it. Oh, just negative one. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> There's hope. I'm giving you hope, man. I'm selling it. Uh, Don't nah, see the penguins. You're not. You're not <laughs> I've seen penguins in South Africa. I'm good. <laughs> Oh man, so exciting stuff, man! You are about to embark on a new journey. Well, you've embarked on the journey, but the personal journey of being a TV personality now um, with your new show. So tell us about the show, the name, when it's coming out, where people can watch it, and all that good stuff. The name of the show is Worldwide Nate African Adventures, and it premieres December fifteenth on the Urban Movie Channel. Okay. So the Urban Movie Channel is like. Think of it as the black Netflix. You can download the app. It's called an SVOD, a subscription video on demand. That's what Netflix is. That's what Urban Movie Channel is. So you can download it on your phone. You can stream it through Amazon, Amazon Prime on your TV. So you can watch it basically anywhere. So on the 15th, it'll be available. There's no uh, no premiere time. It's just like, it's just available. But each episode will be released every week. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so... It's exciting because I spent six and a half weeks in Africa, traveled to seven countries, which were South Africa, Lesotho, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Kenya, Congo, and Rwanda. Nice. So we had 13 adventure activity field adventures and also I'm doing culture and cuisine. So in the cuisine, I'm actually cooking with the people, like learning how to make these African dishes. Nice. So yeah, and then you know unique cultures as well. So it's pretty dope because it's a millennial it's a millennial show. Right. So we showing the contemporary viewpoint of Africa. There's no no poverty, no Sally Struthers. I love it. You know, it's like because we've seen enough of that, and we know it exists. Obviously, we don't want to 
downplay that stuff but it's also important to show just as much impact on the positive side of africa because i've been and i'm like bro you don't see none of this yeah you don't see any of it yeah because when we were over there filming the hurricanes are happening in florida and puerto rico houston like everything like the wildfires and in africa we just chilling Luxuriating. <laughs> yeah people giving posts like you know, you know, with the fear post, like, oh, the Lord's coming back because of all these natural disasters. And I'm like, hey, it's, it's, it ain't nothing happening over in Africa. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know what y'all did like, over yeah, there. Jesus but... may go back to North America, but he, gonna, he ain't touching Africa. <laughs> Hilarious. So six and a half weeks, what was that process like of just being on the go? I think the longest I've ever spent straight traveling was three, four weeks, but six and a half weeks and hitting seven countries you said yeah that's intense it was and and with a strict production schedule i'm sure yeah so it was early tight. early mornings and yeah it was uh yeah it was tight but it was so much fun because like innately i just felt like i was at home like it, you know just to see black people every single day and i haven't been in that environment since college mm. but like everywhere you turn it's just beautiful black people right and especially when we got out of south africa and got into like Zamb zambia and zimbabwe and, and kenya rwanda and congo it's just, just black dark skin mm -hmm. beautiful people and i love some black skin you know some <laughs> chocolate rich skin so right. it's just like just even beautiful people and the people are so nice and it was just you just blend in and you don't have to have that sense of like looking over your back or or like approaching somebody that don't look like you, or they approaching you, and you like, oh, let me see how this gonna go. Right, this is about to be some. Yeah, you just chilling. So it right. was like so stress free, so much fun. It, it was a great experience, and it it was it was great because every day we did something epic because the schedule was so jam packed. Which on the downside, it takes me a while to like appreciate every like re reflect on everything because everything is so jam packed in. Right. But every day it was just something new. And it was just great, and I was just so excited. I'm like, oh man, wait till we share this, this adventure, this adventure, right. and show people like what Africa is really about. And that's an interesting point because, um, I think I, I hear a lot of celebrities, particularly music artists, talk about that. Like when you're on the road and on the go, and you're experiencing all these cities in like short shots, it's like it's only until after that tour is done that you sit back and reflect mm -hmm. about what the experience was because you don't even have time to like yeah. savor those memories. So it's almost like retroactive like you're looking at the photos and your videos and you're like yo I, I did that like, yeah that happened to me yeah <laughs> yeah I'm watching some some cuts and I'm and I'm looking like this is insane what was I thinking about <laughs> but you even have time to take a time yeah. out and be like hold on hold on I need a, I need a second it was like yeah we gotta do it we you only got one shot and, and you gotta do it right now mm-hmm <laughs> all right so this segment is called if you were stranded on a deserted island and you could only bring one so if you could only bring one album, what would it be? It would be uh, Stevie Wonder's uh, Greatest Hits album. Stevie Wonder is that man. Mm -hmm. And why would you bring that album? Because you got the melodies, you got the you could dance and stuff. You know, you got um, all I do is think about you. Do I do? Mm -hmm. You got Rocket Love. Right. You know, My Sharia Moore. You know, it's like 25 songs on that. Agreed. Nah, you right. <laughs> yeah. It's you like, right. you, could, you could go back to young Stevie when he playing the harmonica. You can take you through everything. Word. One TV show. Man. One TV show. Transformers. Really? Okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> Take it back to childhood real quick. Yeah, I got to be happy. <laughs> got to be living my imagination. Word. Uh, one last meal. Uh, six wings with mild sauce from Harold's Chicken Shack. <laughs> I knew you was going to say Harold's as soon as you said wings. I was like, he talking about some Harold's <laughs> Chicago ass. Hey, um, South Side, all day. <laughs> unapologetic about it. One thing that you would bring to remind you of home? Ooh, that is a great one. I would bring a family photo of my, uh, my family. Good one. Uh, and one book. One book. You know, I was called myself an avid reader of like fiction and stuff. I, I've read like a lot of um, self-help and business books over the years. Oh, you know what? Actually, um, the book I would bring is the uh, I got the volume one of Black Panther. Oh, the nice. graphic novel by Tanashi Coates. Nice. Yeah, that's really good. Nice. Keeping would, it keeping it super black on your deserted island. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it'd be my own Wakanda. <laughs> So you were in Africa exploring all these different countries. Was it your first time to all of the countries or had you been to some of them before? Well, the only country I've been to before was South Africa, okay. which is my favorite country. That I had been it's, it's definitely one of my favorite countries too. Yeah, because it's just so diverse with the different experiences. and so. But every other country was my first time visiting. Damn, so you didn't even have like the, the comfort of, oh, I've been here before. Right. And so you had, you had the... The thrill slash nerve wrecking excitement slash what the hell of going to a new country mm -hmm. and these adrenaline, you know, driving experiences and I gotta film this, so I also gotta be cool for TV yeah. all at the same time. Yeah, it was a lot. I, you know, look, <laughs> that seems like a, that like seems that, like a full body shock. That's yeah, what it you, seems like. Yeah, when you put it like that, that's that's exactly what it was. Cause it's like you know, I'm I'm the executive producer, so I got to put on a producer hat, and mm -hmm. I got to be in front of the camera, and then sometimes logistical things will come into play. Right. And it's just like being on the whole time. <clears throat> but it was just, it's like, you know, like a YOLO moment where I'm in Africa. Yeah. So let's do it all. Right. And I can, like, sleep when I get back to the States. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. you, you can't, I mean, if you have... If you have six and a half weeks in Africa, you can't really sleep, bro. Like, what you sleeping for? Yeah. You got to see and do and feel and experience and engage with so much. It was so awesome. You still catching up on it now, I can tell. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I had moments where I'm like, man, because it's just that feeling. Just yeah. even that feeling, of, that euphoric feeling is just peace. Yeah. You know, especially as a black man, you know, and you don't have to, you know, it's like, you get in your car and you be like, God, dog, you know. Right, you right, right. Pray for the best. Right. But over there, it was, it was none of that. And then, um, even when the people found out that I was American, they they just the, the love you get from the Africans, they'd be so happy to see us because mm -hmm. we don't visit over there. Right, right. And that's another thing too. Like, I and it's for a, a number of different reasons. I think there's a group of people who have the fear of going to Africa. Um, unfortunately, there's people in my family like that. Like when I first went to Africa, it was all the oh my god, be careful and this. I heard that, and mm -hmm. I'm like, but you ain't say that for any other place I've been. But I started talking about Africa, and you got all these fears and alarms. The place that we come from. Exactly. The other thing is, um, it it is a hard region to get to, at least from where we are in yeah. North America. It's definitely not the easiest place to travel to um, because of time and money. Yeah. A lot of times, the, the cost to get to Africa, um, like Europe, just seems easier. Or, you know, somewhere like the Caribbean just seems easier. But 
it is worth the journey, man. I got to say, it's worth every dime, all the time, all of that. Because you get there and you feel this feeling that you don't feel anywhere else. Yeah. And I know what you're talking about because I had went to, I have, I have two friends that from, their uh, parents are from Naples, Napoli. Mm-hmm. And I went to, went to uh, Europe with them, went to Italy. And then we were in Naples and they were just excited. Like at the soccer, we went to the soccer game and went to eat at places and they were just, they were home. And I could see like the joy that they right. had on their face. Right. And I just thought to myself, dang, I, I want to have that feeling. You right, know, right, just right. like being back to where you belong. And then I was able to have that, that experience being in Africa. Right. Not knowing specifically, but just on the continent. But you know, eventually I'll know where I come from. I took the DNA test. You did? Yeah. I, I didn't take it, but um, my grandparents took it. So I think I found out uh, it's a mix of Senegal and Liberia, I think. Okay. Something like that. But um, And I haven't been to West Africa yet, which makes me very upset. Because I've been to South Africa, um, Seychelles, and I'm going back to the southern region in spring. Going back to South Africa, because one of my favorite countries. Um, but I think I'm also going to hit up Namibia and then... Um, mm-hmm. Zambia, Zimbabwe. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna do all that, but I gotta, I gotta make it to West Africa because that's where most of us are from. Yeah, I've, I've same situation. I haven't been there yet. Yeah, and and it's crazy because again, going back to the difficulty in getting there, flights to Accra from New York are like twelve hundred year round, and I, I've never seen a flight deal. Mm. But to get to South Africa for some reason is always a deal. So that's where I be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. Sometimes getting those glitch fares and everything. Yeah, the one I got, the one I got coming up in April, um, there was a five. $500 round trip what? from New York on South African Airways direct, not even connected. Oh, yeah, the JFK is direct. The one yeah. that connects is out of D.C. It stops in Senegal. Yeah, well, which I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind a little Senegal layover, but you know. But, um, yeah, man, at every every time I'm in Africa, it, it just feels right. And there is a sense of feeling like you're home. And, I, and it just might be the masses of black people. That just might be it. But there, I feel like it's something a little deeper than that, though. Like it's something a little bit spiritual that's like nah, bro, you you where you from for real? Like mm-hmm. there's there's something there, man. It's it's a really really cool feeling. Yeah, because even just hearing a native tongue when people are talking their language and it's like, dang, that's how I'm supposed to be talking. Right. <laughs> you know exactly. And it's also you know what I realized too is also you get to see all the commonalities within Black people yeah. from everywhere in the world. Like that's true too. sometimes you think there's some stuff that's just Black American or my family's from the Caribbean, so just West Indian. And then you go to Africa and you're like, oh, so y'all do that here too? Cool. Mm-hmm. So that's just a Black thing, univer- a universal Black thing. But and to your point, right? You know how to you know we call it the ghetto girls, girls in the hood, be like be mm-hmm. popping their mouth. Oh yeah, the Kosa Kosa tribe. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. girls, like, in the States, they'll be, like, you know, like, you know, messing around or not, right. just, like, popping their mouth. And then when I heard the, the uh, Chosa and the Zulus, mm-hmm. Kosa and the Zulus doing it, I was like, oh. Right, right. They not, they not being ghetto. They just tapping into their his, they roots. It's their ancestral heritage it, talking, pe- permeating through. They can't, they can't hold it back. It might be a combination of the two. But I'm just saying, like, I can't, I ain't gonna, like, if somebody yeah, yeah. try to shame the girl, right, like, she right, ain't right. being ghetto, right. she being African. Right, right. Stop that, just get this correct. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't hate on who you are. We, we, we brainwashed to do that too. Absolutely. Stuff that's naturally inherent to us. Oh, that's ghetto. No, that's African. That's that is a good point too. Yeah, so, so much of girls our, keep popping, keep <laughs> popping your mouth, keep. 
so do much what you of do. so much of what we think is normal is just European um, European identity that was just imposed on us, right? Um, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of lineage that we have in Africa, a lot of cultural connections that I think once you get there, you get to explore and understand on a different level. Um, but without giving away too much of the show, because everybody has to check out every episode every week. What were some like two or three of your favorite adventures in, in which countries? Well, in Kenya, I got to compete against the Maasai in the Maasai Olympics. Nice. So they created these Maasai Olympics because the rites of passage just traditionally for the Kenyans for like to be a man is to go out and hunt a lion. So nope. what happened is that I'm a I'm a pass on that. I guess I'm gonna still be a boy in Kenya. <laughs> hey, that's what you talk about, real gangsters right there. <laughs> So it's like, hey, go out there and hunt that lion or you ain't going to be a man. That's, that's what the OGs would tell the little youngins. And it's, yeah, so so what happened is that the lion population was about like a quarter of a million, but it got decimated down to like 35,000. Okay. So they created this Messiah Olympics so the population can grow back. And what it is is that they uh, incorporated like the, uh, the traditional tech things that they do in their culture into an Olympic-style game. So they had like a javelin throw. They had this uh, wooden type hammer called a rungu, which is like the target for target practice. You have to like throw it and get it into like a, a ring that's probably like a little bit bigger than a basketball ring. Okay. And then the javelin throw is just about the distance. And then they have um, a 200 yard dash and a high jump, which mm -hmm. is like, but not like the traditional high jump where you jump over a pole and land on your on a mat. It's like the the vertical high jump that they do in their culture. Right, 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 and right. And then they also have like a, a 800 meter run and a, two, and a 1200 meter run, but I just did four of them. So you'll see me compete against the Maasai and, and see how, how they, how they, how they, I was about to say, how'd you fare against the Maasai? You gotta tune in and see, Okay. You know? Is that, that episode come out, comes out uh, December 22nd. Okay. Yeah, so that's um, the Maasai Olympics episode. Then I went scuba diving with sharks, with oceanic black tip sharks. And that was with no which, cage. Which country was that? That was in Durban, off the coast of Durban. Woo. So that was like I was surrounded by twelve oceanic black tip sharks in the Indian Ocean, no cage, just just hanging out with the sharks. So, question: Did you piss yourself? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay, but, but I, I was. Uh, you'll see. It was, it was it was a fun experience, and then also we um, helped to save a, a black rhino. Nice, because they're going extinct, right? Yeah. I think I saw that on, uh, I can't remember, I follow a lot of African cultural pages and travel pages, but I saw they're going extinct. Well, they're in danger right in now. Danger, but okay. it's, it's low, I mean, when you're in danger, it's low levels. Right, right, right. So that what they're trying to do is fight the poaching epidemic that's happening. And, uh, and what they're doing is they, 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 should be, they should have voted on it or voted on it soon is to see if they should just harvest the, the horns and then sell them. Because what happens is the poachers are killing, they'll like take the horns off, mm. but then kill the rhino in the process. Right, right, right. And then that horn is like, it's like our fingernail. It's just, it doesn't hurt, it'll grow back because there's such a demand in Asia that the what that happens is they'll get the horns, the Asians do this, they, they get the horns and they'll um, shave it down and they put it in a drink and drink it and they feel like it gives them like, the increase of their libido. Oh, But science, okay. is, <laughs> science is proven that drinking a, 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 a rhino's horn has no effect on your body. But when a culture has been doing this for centuries and believes that it's going to increase your libido, it's like you can't stop them with like natural science and right. you know proven data. Right, right, right. But the demand is hot. So that's why rhinos 
are being almost in danger Damn. because some Asian guys want to have trying sex. Trying to get it up. <laughs> trying to get it up. I was like, y'all better learn about some Cialis and Viagra and keep these <laughs> rhinos living. That's crazy. I was just about to ask. I wonder what they're doing with the rhino ones, but um, there you go. They're yeah. trying to get it up with it. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's unfortunate, man. But that that sounds like a... Man, I gotta, I gotta watch every episode of this show. I'm so interested to see what it looks like and all those adventures and to see you out there because I know you particularly to see you in all those different environments that is going to be interesting yeah it's it's pretty dope I've seen <laughs> episodes and I look at it I'm like man this is good and I you know show my mom and some people right, right. and then uh, so my mom she was laughing at certain certain parts parts that I didn't think was funny but I was like why are you laughing at me <laughs> come on mom that ain't funny <laughs> <laughs> right so so yeah, it's, it's an exciting show. It's a lot. It's a big adventure, and it's the main focus is the extreme adventure that I'm gonna be doing, but also touch on the culinary and the cuisine. So even on the culinary side, I mean the culture, but on the cuisine side, I'm actually participating and learning how to cook these African dishes. So you see me right next to the chef, whether it's a food blogger or mm -hmm. a five star uh, chef. So what? Which country had the best food in your opinion? Dang. Or at least a dish that really. You were like, this is banging. Well, first thing that comes to mind, let me tell you that. Every every uh, French fry in Africa was delicious. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was like the freshness of the potatoes <laughs> over there. But the French fries in Africa I'm thinking you, are you fire. About, I'm thinking you about to tell me some, some other unique. He's like the French fries. Actually, I did see, because I was following you on... Uh, Instagram, all your Instagram stories, and you were eating a lot of French fries. <laughs> yeah, the French fries are fire. The avocados in Rwanda, you can eat them like an apple. Mm. They're so good, delicious, way better than the avocados we got here in the States. Right. And then, uh, <clears throat> just because I spent majority of the time in South Africa, I would say they had the best food because okay. I was able to I was, I was able to eat food in Johannesburg, Durban, and Cape Town. Nice. So within that country, I had multiple dishes from different types of regions and stuff. So, but yeah, South Africa would be there would be the, the top choice. But every meal that we had was great. Nice. And which country do you think surprised you the most? In Rwanda. Hmm. Rwanda was immaculate. It was clean. Like I don't even think Tokyo is cleaner than than Kigali. Really? Yeah. Like Rwanda, it's like the, you in the country. There's it's illegal to bring plastic bags into the country. What? Yeah, they will check your bag because we had went to Congo and came back, and then we had to open up our luggage, and we had somebody, me or Emil, had a plastic bag, and we had to confiscate that. Oh wow. Yeah, they real they real serious about it, and it's like every day, every once. One, one day out of the year, everybody in the country participates in cleaning the uh, the country, even the president. And even when we were on the countryside, you could see like, oh, they don't have any, I didn't see any sanitation workers, but you could see just people in the village clean up debris on the side of the road hmm. because they've indoctrinated that philosophy into right. keeping the country clean. So right. the, ma the, big, the capital, this busy city is super clean and spotless and the countryside is just spotless and clean. Everybody is nice, you know, like the sisters, they, they wear the little afros and, you know, just beautiful, just chocolate people, just amazing and just so nice, just mm -hmm. really, really nice people. Okay. So Rwanda might have to go on the list then. Rwanda, you know what Rwanda was like? It was like a real, it felt like a real life um, Wakanda. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was, I thought it was the Black Panther because oh, it was just man. so... It was it was awesome. 
And after the show, are there any countries in Africa that you haven't visited that that's that are still high on the list? Oh yeah, Ethiopia. Ah yeah, Ethiopia has been high on the list. They have so much unrest over there right now that I'm like, oh really? Yeah, in that region um, between Ethiopia, Eritrea, and uh, Somalia. Oh Djibouti. Yeah. Oh, okay. But that, I definitely want to get over there, too. Ethiopia has so much history. Yeah, And I'm do. like, I got to get there. Yeah, I want to get over there. Um, South Sudan, mm-hmm. I want to go there. Uh, Mauritius, definitely want to go to Ghana, um, the Ivory Coast. I mean, it, I can go on and on. Right. But those are the, the places... Oh, oh, Mozambique. Everybody that we met, they were like, oh, you got to go to Mozambique. I'm actually, I'm thinking for one of my South Africa trips this year, um, my South African co-worker actually told me, you got to go to Mozambique. And I'm like, really? So Everybody was talking about Mozambique. It's got to be something there then. I got to check out. Yeah, this one guy's designer who was in my show, I saw his Instagram. It's like white sand beaches Mm -hmm. in Mozambique, so... I'm gonna go check it out. Yeah, I heard outside of the capital, I forgot the name of the beach town, but I did I did Google it and I was like, oh, this is yeah, this, this is, might be it right here. Yeah, this is a beach town called Pimba. Is what I want to. It's an island called Pimba. I okay. would like to go to. Um, but yeah, Mozambique is is where I'm trying to get to. Okay. So look at that. Even outside of all these African adventures, um, there's still so much more to see. Oh yeah. And it's it's a huge continent. So people. People like I think underestimate just how diverse the experiences can be, just how diverse the people are in all these different places. Like there's no one type of African person, no one type of African food. Right. City to sea. Like there's different things in each region, in each country, in each city, in a country. Because Cape Town is totally different from Johannesburg, mm-hmm. and I haven't been to Durban, but I heard Dur- Durban is totally different too. So yeah, and Durban has the Zulus. Zulus is like so cool. Yeah, I love the Zulus. I gotta, I gotta get to Durban too. Yeah. So what, what do you hope people take away from the show? Because it's coming out in a few days now. Yeah. What are you hoping when people see it? What, what they, what they take away? Well, I wanted to demystify our perception of Africa for the average American millennial. You know, and, and then just make accessible the amazing culture, the cuisine, and then all the adventure activities that are literally everywhere. Because Africa isn't one thing, it's a, collect, a collection of all these things. Right. And I just want people to be inspired, and it's like, let's invest in going to Africa. You know, it's, it's cool. Like, Europe is dope, and it's built up, and, you know, I love when, you know, it's, it's cool to see people's posts, but it's like, the excitement in it. But I want people to have that same excitement in Africa right. and investing in Africa because it's like that bridging the gap. And, it, you know, it's, it's just it's just so beautiful. It was just like overwhelmingly like just it was feeding my soul spiritually, you mm. know, just being there on the continent. And it's like it, it, it's it's like we've been like hoodwinked and bamboozled on the perception of Africa. When Europeans have been coming to Africa and taking and Absolutely. raping the continent for And still for are centuries. to this day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some, some of the cities I've gone to, I've seen like majority of the people that are coming to visit are Europeans. So I'm like, if mm-hmm. Africa was so bad, right. how come y'all still keep coming back? You exactly. know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, like you said, us black people in America, are some are scared and some are just it's not on the radar in terms of like a destination to go to but it's some of the the most spiritual and even outside of the deep stuff just a good vacation oh yeah even, uh, even yeah even outside of like the spiritual spiritual connection and going back to your roots and all that 
it's just a good time that you can have in some of these places. Yeah. And I'm sure your show will help show that too. Like outside of yo, I'm in Africa, it's also like anything you want to do. You want to eat well. They got it. If you want beautiful views, they got it. If you want some adventure activities that you'll never forget, like being flipped off a raft somewhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> they got it. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, because you'll watch the show, and then even though it's like the title is Worldwide Net African Adventures, you get sucked in where you you, you got to remember that, dang, this is all in Africa. Right. Because I'm showing you a perspective that you that you never see. Even when I was doing the research, I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. Well, even when I'm there, I'm still like internally like, dang, I'm, I'm feeling embarrassed in my mind. I'm like, oh, I thought it was one way, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, so even I was still learning and demystify, getting demystified myself, like in right. real time, right. just learning about certain things about the um, the culture, or even just simple things where I'm, I had ran into these two girls at the restaurant, and then they, I was like, teach me, show, teach me how to say these words in Zulu. So I'm sitting here, and you know, it's like the way they conjugate vowels and, mm-hmm. and, and um, consonants and stuff. So it was just fun, just learning just simple words and like, hey, how are you doing? Where are you from? In Zulu, as opposed to just kind of like we always are fed the the languages learned or the romantic Latin right. languages, the romantic languages, right. or you know, or some Asian languages or something like that. But we never are taught like, oh, you know, like take a class and learn some Zulu right. or or um, or uh, Swahili, you know, and these are just like beautiful languages. Or you know, black people have Swahili, Swahili names, right. but can't really say hi, or, how you doing in right. Swahili, or know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yo, your name is you know Swahili, you know, or uh, was it Kanye? Is that's in in Gold? No, it's like it's a city. You know, mm-hmm. Kanye is a city in Africa. I forget which country. Well, I met a girl. Her name was Kinshasa, and that's like the the capital of of um, Congo. Mm. So, um, you know, you discover these little nuances of, of Africa that are in us, but we just, we, we, we just not are, are fully awoke yeah, and how I, they pertain to our life. I agree. And, and I think that's what we were saying earlier. It's about going and unpacking what those common threads are and realizing, yo, there's a lot of it in us that we don't know. Like, it's there already, mm-hmm. but we just have to, like, unpack what those connections are and build on them and build on them for generations. Like... Building relationships with people in these cities and and continuing to go back and investing into the businesses there, the small businesses that are there. Um, I think it's dope, man. I'm excited to see the show. I'm excited to see all that you got going on. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be dope, man. And and another experience I had was I had um, two guys that I that were on my show in two different episodes in Johannesburg, and one guy was Kosa and one guy was Bimba. So it's like the equivalent would be like us being like, oh, I'm from Brooklyn, I'm from Queens, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from Jersey, or I'm yep. from Chicago, I'm from Atlanta. Right. But they like, oh, but it's really like from where they from, but it's, they can say it in their tribe. Right. And I was like, dang. Right, right, right. So they could talk together. We could all talk commonly in English, but everybody could talk in their own native tongue. Yep. And it, that was just like phenomenal. I'm like, in awe. Like, you know how dope you are? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is like, uh, everyone speaks at least two to three languages, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, yeah, I'm here with this basic English, barely, barely fully understanding English. But I mean, there's people who know. Like I met, um, shout out to Larato in Joburg, but she knows Zulu mm-hmm. and English and French and probably some other languages, and she knows a little bit of Kosa. Her best friend was from the Kosa tribe, so they know they have a little bit of overlap between those two languages, mm-hmm. and it's like, yo. 
that alone, if nothing else, makes you so lit. Yeah. And I'm like, people, people just don't know, man. Until you get there and really get in with the people and get around, man, you just have no idea how what you missing out on, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So one more time for the show where they could tune in, where check it out. Yeah, Worldwide Nate African Adventures on the Urban Movie Channel. You can download it in the App Store, the Google Play Store. You can go on to you can go log on to urbanmoviechannel.com, and then you can log in on through their website and stream it. Or you can also have if you have a smart TV, you can go and access it through Amazon Amazon Video through your smart TV. So you can access it anywhere: iPad, phone, computer, television. It's it's everywhere. Worldwide Nate African Adventures. My brother, thank you for coming through, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then follow me on uh, Instagram, Worldwide Nate, on social media, you know. He, he, he's going to be posting. He's been posting some teasers of the, uh, of the episodes that are to come, but um, I'm looking forward to it, brother. All right, well, thank you. Thank you for coming through. Peace, man. <laughs>